You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. These are pretty drastic and dramatic uh, times in, in, in the Bible that, that we're reading about. And what encourages me is that, you know, faith in Jesus does not promote, oh, everything's going to be great from now on. No, faith in Jesus promotes, he's going to be with us through those difficult times, and he's going to help us navigate through them. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I'm Taylor, and we are continuing our series on the royal family. And I am joined by a very special guest and Sunday speaker and friend, Jose Abroa. Jose, thanks for being here. It's a good feeling, Taylor, when I'm called your special guest. It's very good special. to be. Good the to only, be only special guests are on the Conversations Podcast. <laughs> but Okay, so it's just us, and we're going to dive into the message talking about Zerubbabel. Mm-hmm. Did I get that right? Yeah, Zerubbabel. that's it. Uh, and talking about God's restoration. But first, we'd love to give you kind of the opening words on kind of the week as you prepared for this message and even just how it ties into the whole series that we've gone through so far. Yeah, so a lot, lot of characters to choose from in Matthew. So I've actually been asked a couple of times, how did you choose um, the characters that you did? And the short answer is, I just read it and... The names that stuck out to me, I zoomed in on and did a, a, a lot of research on and, and then picked out these. The cool thing about all of these is what they teach us about God. They don't only teach us mm-hmm. something about what they've done right or what they've done wrong. Uh, they're imperfections, um, but they teach us who God is. And um, as we look at Christmas and G- the coming of Jesus, it's really cool how they all um, teach us these different attributes and characteristics of God that, that he reconciles. That's what we learn through Jacob, that he redeems. That's what we learned uh, through Ruth, that God reigns. That's what we learned through David. And then this week, he restores through Zerubbabel in the exile period of, um, you know, this point in, this point in history. Yeah. Um, with the Israelites. Yeah, I want to talk about that first because you mentioned kind of Zedekiah and yes. uh, another, another Z name and uh, and just how between him and Jeremiah and just even this tension in the exile when it comes to circumstances and just the two approaches that not only were applicable thousands of years ago then, but also I think still now and how you tie it in just this idea of um, the circumstances are hard and the Bible doesn't shy away from that. And the exiles really experienced a lot of that. So yeah. what's so significant about just even pulling that piece in to not only just the story of God, but just even in this week as we talk about uh, just God's restoration. Yeah, I mean, this week we're all going to be faced with different uh, circumstances as we get together with family and friends. And so whether we're listening to this podcast in real time or maybe you listen to this podcast after Christmas and you look back and you're like, whoa, that was a really crazy time. I mean, it was nonstop family and, and, and it is tough sometimes, especially when God's done something in your life and you go home and you're reminded of maybe who you were or you are facing, um, you know, your, your family who hasn't changed or hasn't yet embraced the gospel. Um, it can be really difficult to, to experience these circumstances. So yeah, these are pretty drastic and dramatic, uh, times in, in, in the Bible that, that we're reading about. And what encourages me is that, you know, faith in Jesus does not promote, oh, everything's going to be great from now on. No, 
faith in Jesus promotes, he's gonna be with us through those difficult times and he's gonna help us navigate through them. So Zedekiah represents somebody that really does it on his own strength. He, he faces these circumstances and he tries to, um, you know, take life by the, by the horns and, and, and deal with it with his, with his own strength. And then we have Zerubbabel who um, did not do that. He, he obeyed God, the, the prophet Haggai, spoke to him and it was God through Haggai and Zerubbabel chose to obey. And so that's encouragement for us to do life God's way. Yeah, that's so good. And I feel like it's similar. Uh, I was actually just looking up to make sure if it was this year or last year, but last fall going through uh, Peace and Exile series and just looking at not only different um, kind of people throughout the exile, but just even the significance of how um, there are so many parallels to the way that God's people treated and just God as far yeah. as saw him and uh, were obedient one day and then start following their own way and just how easily I can picture myself in that same boat and just in, in that exile period. So yeah, that's that's really good. And just this idea of how do we find peace uh, and really accept God's restoration amongst all the circumstances like you just said here. There are kind of three uh, points that you mentioned that I thought were really good that I wanted to unpack here. The first one is, when it comes to kind of, uh, I want to say not just difficult, but even just like uh, unsettled or just uh, chaotic times, there are kind of these three things that were pointed to. And the first one here is just simply God saying, hey, build up your home and your community yeah. out of here in just Jeremiah 29. So I'd love for you to kind of unpack that a little bit as far as practically. I know you mentioned on Sunday that it looks different for every family or maybe every circumstance, but uh, maybe for someone that's hearing that, um, maybe starting with someone that they feel like their family's out of control or their home's out of control, their life's out of control. Kind of what are some ways in which just even getting kind of starting with uh, taking the first step towards kind of building up your home? Yeah. So this is a very important theme that continues throughout the Bible. So I think about Jesus um, teaching us that uh, in, in the Sermon on the Mount, that we're called to live inside out lives. So this isn't about looking good on the outside and being rotten on the inside, but it's about taking care of your body. It's taking care of your family, your kids, if, if you have them, your marriage, if you're married, um, and then allowing God's goodness to flow from the inside out. And so there are chaotic times and you can, you can, you know, I don't know, I, I I picture, I, I say, I don't know. I, I would think that back then, these people in these hard circumstances would think of other things that God would instruct them to do. Um, maybe create um, an army or uh, create, um, you know, uh, even an insular community where they're only seeking the welfare of their own people. But here God is telling them, no, no, no build up your home and seek the welfare of the Babylonians, of the people that that have brought you into exile. So that's God's way of blessing the world through these uh, inside out ways. And so whatever that looks like for you, I think is really important. I mean, I'm, I'm a married guy, you're a single right. guy. So I right. think in this podcast, we can talk a little bit about what that, what that looks like. But for me, that um, means taking care of my wife first. Um, I've learned through this church when I did premarital, et cetera, that the best thing that I can show my kids is that I love my wife first mm -hmm. and that they, uh, you know, will see a, a, a dad who loves their mom and then loves, loves them second, mm -hmm. um, which sounds really harsh, especially to the world, but that's God's order of things. And that's my priority. If I'm if I'm missing there, then then something's got to give because yeah. something that's in first priority is is out of whack. So, 
um, yeah, I'd love to yeah. hear yeah. from you what that looks like being single. Yeah, I was going to say, I think when I first kind of think about that and heard that, even uh, for years, I'm like, okay, well, uh, I don't even own a house. So it's like, I can't even think about, you know, building a home, but then even not having a family as far as, a, or just a, a wife and kids. And so that kind of immediate family. And uh, I think what God's shown me, and I'm still definitely learning about what this looks like as far as in a singleness um, part of my life, but just thinking about it in the sense that in the same way that a home, it's kind of like there's the frame and the structures that kind of contain kind of what you would consider to be a home, like physically. I think in the same way, that's really what we're talking about from a spiritual and just even a relational standpoint, as far as we take, uh, we're all trying to emulate who God is in our lives. And so when it comes to a home, I picture just being able to take certain priorities, taking certain characteristics of God, and really just as a family unit defining, okay, this is who we're going to be. This is this is what it's going to look like and kind of almost, I don't know if it makes sense, but these kind of structures, these kind of frames in place to kind of have almost like a way of life as your family. And so I think uh, even without having kids or a wife, you can still do that where it's like thinking through and like, okay, God, I know who, you know, I'm learning who you are and I'm learning who I am. And so how, what are some priorities? What are some ways of living and just kind of even characteristics that I want to embody uh, just in this season of life or whatever I'm living in. And so I think that just, I think that's what's neat about just this piece is that the idea of God just saying, hey, like, uh, you know, as far as just even settling down and investing in community. And it's just this idea that like, we don't, yeah, you can do that, uh, whether you're married, single, all that kind of stuff. I think that that's what I'm learning is that uh, even just starting with my relationship with God and saying, okay, what does this look like? And how am I going to live accordingly? And uh, I don't know, for years and years, I never would think about that. You know, I'm just waking up doing what I feel like is best in the moment, but really kind of zooming out and thinking, okay, what is, what does my home of just me look like as far as just, uh, living for Christ? And just, what does that look like from, a uh, uh, habits and what does it look like from a uh, characteristics, disciplines, all that kind of stuff woven into just, again, I'm still trying to figure it out, but I think that's kind of where I would, yeah, you, I would you say you figuring it out, but man, you do a great job when it comes to serving God with your time, uh, spending your time wisely and uh, honoring God with what he's given you work-wise here with the church, your work outside of the church. Um, so this is just a shameless plug. If you're out there and you are single and you're wondering what oh. that looks like biblically, ask this guy, pull Taylor Christensen aside and, and ask him to share with you some of his other secrets yeah, uh, to how to honor God. Cool. You do a great job, man. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, one before we move on to the next point here, uh, just that second half that we kind of touched on a little bit, but just this idea of building up the community yeah. and the value of the city. So, um, there's a lot, this could be a whole separate podcast episode sure. or podcast about the culture we live in, the city that we live in. Uh, I think a lot of times even people just have this desire of instead of being in the world, but not of it, let's just not even be in the world. Let's just kind of withdraw and just kind of focus on us. And yet um, that's not exactly what God's calling to do and didn't call his people to do that we're living here amidst uh, challenging times themselves. So what is so significant about just even having a heart for our community, having a heart for our city. And then even just what does that do for us just individually when we kind of have our minds set on, set on that? Yeah, that's it. I wish um, I would have shared that yesterday, this concept of being for the city. Uh, we want to be a church that's not only in the city, um, but we want to be a church that is for our city. So that's actively pursuing opportunities to impact our community, meeting any needs that it may have, um, really just having open eyes and ears because opportunities will present themselves. I think about Ruth and how Boaz, all he had to do was obey God 
and Ruth then knew um, that she was at a faithful, you know, home because Boaz had followed God, and and so there was there was a portion of his property that was available for foreigners to come and and find food from, and that's that's why Ruth came to Boaz. So, bottom line is that when we obey God, opportunities present themselves to um, serve our community. And so I really think it's a desire that then needs to, you know, manifest with uh, time. It, it will come with time as we pursue God's heart, as we uh, want to impact our city. Um, it's only a matter of time before we're faced with some sort of open door, someone coming to ask us of, uh, to, to fill a need or to be a part of something. Um, so yeah, let's, let's be that type of church. Yeah. I think too, just to add on how it's neat to hear stories and just even seeing in people that I know, just, they notice even non-believers notice, yeah. uh, when Christians or a church loves the city the way they do, because, um, honestly, all our flesh is about ourselves. So we love ourselves. We love, you know, that's where we're naturally going to be fleshly wired towards, but, um, moving, you know, we're constantly trying to move away from that and loving our neighbor as ourself. And then by extension, just what it looks like as a city, I think about, um, just our church doing that, whether in disasters like the flood or the freeze or other instances where, um, people outside the church notice the way that our church and not just like the name or the brand, it's like the people, the people. like just the people that are checking in on neighbors, the people that are going out and serving, even though no one asked them to, like, these are the kind of things that it stands out because, uh, sure. Someone may want to volunteer to feel good. Maybe once in a while, maybe around Christmas time, but for people that go out of their way to sacrifice for the city, for strangers that they don't even know. I mean, that's where it's like, uh, it's a, it's a really neat thing that I think about just me living in San Marcos and how it's such a transient, uh, I almost call it like a step up city where it's like, everyone's just there for a little bit. And then they try to move on to the next place, the better job, whatever, you know, half the, half the city are college students. So that's, they're only there for a few years and moving on and just thinking about the, the Christians that really care about St. Marcus and even what it looks like for our church to be the ones that are there to just really invest and in, in the city and in the people there that may be overlooked by all the people that are just kind of moving their way up. And so it's just a really neat, I think, cool way to kind of, I like, I like big picture kind of stuff. So yeah. when it, when you, you think of it this way and how God God really does call us to love our city. And then like you said, Jose, in the message, this is that's been something that our church has cared about right. literally from the beginning. So it's like, this is not just like a fad or some sort of cool trend that we want to jump on. It's like been woven in from the very beginning. Yeah, I <laughs> didn't know if you had anything to add on that. No, no, that's right. That's okay, right well, on. Uh, let's jump over to number two here. And that's going to be making God your priority. This is where we get into just how God wanted his people to build a temple and just to be uh, worshiping him and just valuing and prioritizing that. And there's, again, so many things we could unpack here, whether it's uh, what are the things that we aren't prioritizing, but just to think, think even practically, what are ways that you can tell right off the bat what you're prioritizing um, whether it is God or or if it's something that's that's not of God. Yeah, so where are we spending most of our money? How are we spending our time? Those are key uh, ways to figuring out what our main priority is. So what are you worried about most? What's taking um, your attention most of the days when, when you're lying, uh, going to bed at night? What, what's keeping you up? 
and and those those things really label our priorities. And my hope is, um, yeah, the, this verse in Matthew. These are Jesus's words when he says, "Seek the kingdom of God above all else, and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need." So most of the things that we worry about, God promises us to take care of. Um, and that that may sound again contrary to what our culture teaches us. Hey. Get up, work, earn, make, I mean, those things are important. We've already, you know, and Jeremiah talks about, hey, work, build up right, your home, you right. know, dear community. And so 70 years later, God's restoring the temple. He's bringing his people back to the promised land. So God's done that. He told them he would, and now he did it. And now he's saying, hey, make me a priority. So remember the things that I've done for you. And I think that's, that's a key thing. I remember for me early on, I started thinking about my life. I started thinking about my childhood and how often God had come through from my mom and dad in different ways, how, how God had made himself known to me personally in uh, many, many different ways through different circumstances and um, you know events on the timeline. And it, it was so obvious that that wasn't, I didn't deserve those things. I didn't make those things happen. That was God's, you know, anointing. That was God's ordaining my days, my steps, and um, bringing me to where I was for a purpose. And ultimately, our purpose is to be a part of his great mission of restoration uh, until Jesus comes back. So um, making God a priority will take care of your needs and it will be exciting. It is an adventure. Not all good. <laughs> there's some hard and and there's some sad and 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 there are certainly some some mountains to overcome. But that's the cool thing. Uh, at the end of this verse in Haggai, both in chapter one and chapter two, he says that God will be with you, mm-hmm. and that's the promise that we have: is that through this life, as we make him a priority, God's peace will be with us. Yeah, that's a perfect segue to my next question because I was just going to, something you said, uh, just talking about obedience. And again, that seems like maybe a churchy or intense word that's sometimes used. But uh, just, I wrote down this quote that you said, just obedience opens our eyes to God's presence. He's been there all along. Like it's not something that we have to like earn, but it's, he's been there all along, but that obedience is what opens our eyes to God's presence. I thought that was such a good point just as we focus on making God a priority and how uh, he hasn't left us. He it's right. not like he's on vacation. We gotta wait for him to get back. But but I think about my own life and just how much I've just not been aware of or just intentionally just looked the other way as far as not really seeking out how God's moving and how that is so important when we think about the restoration he's trying to do in our life and the transformation as well as restoring others and the relationships there. So yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've uh, either thought this in years past or have heard this from other people. When something's going wrong, you you know, you ask, why is God doing this? Um, and in the exile is a great theological framework to understand that this is not God causing this to happen. This is God letting it happen. So the reason why the people are in exile is because of the downward spiral of sin that has created this distance between God and his people. And the only consistency, well, the only two consistencies are people's rebellion in God's faithfulness. So when we're in a hard circumstance, it's not that God's 
absent. It's that sin is present. And not only like the things that we've done wrong, but we we live in this, you know, Romans 12, that's why I quoted it, this pattern of this world that, that's full of, of sin. So we live in a broken world where there also is an enemy that's out there to destroy anything that God wants to restore for good. So we need to be aware that that's the case and then recognize that, man, God's presence is so real, um, especially through times um, that that are really difficult. So, um, yeah, obedience does, it's like putting on glasses, for me at least, (laughs) putting on my glasses in the morning. I'm able to see clear and I'm able to recognize where God's at work. I love one thing you tagged on with that in the message about just even uh, New Year's resolutions and how it's like, hey, what if we made that just our, our resolution? And I think um, one thing I was just encouraged by personally was you just saying, take the next step for you in this process. Like when it comes to prioritizing God, because, uh, I think that there, it can be this kind of idea that, oh, there's the professional Christians out there and they, you know, obviously they have God as their priority and everything's working out well. And it's like, it's like, I, you know, that may seem intimidating or just far-fetched, but even just taking that next step. And again, like you said, God is with us. He knows where we're at. He knows how we feel about him in this exact moment in time. And so just even being able to, to take, steps of faith and trust and just being like, okay, God, I don't exactly know what this looks like, but I want to prioritize you just with my day, you know, starting there, like not, you know, I can't even think about 2022 yet, but like just my day, like what does it look like to prioritize you? And just knowing that he's going to be in there with me, I think was just encouraging for me just to know Mm -hmm. that uh, I don't have to have it all figured out. And normally that's kind of how I'm wired is to kind of calculate everything beforehand, but God just, God just wants me to take a step. He just wants me to work on moving up towards uh, him just being a priority of my life. So I thought that was that was a good point there. And then lastly, we've got a uh, third point here, which is be strong and follow Jesus. So yeah. I like this because even you helped bring out just the contrast earlier in the exiles where they were like, hey, you got to fight for this. Like as far as your circumstances, like there was just this uh, strength or aggression that was Angst. that. Yeah, that was kind of the, the, the strategy to tackle it. Instead, uh, God was like, you need to wait and trust. And so those are kind of counterintuitive. But then here, this concept of being strong and following Jesus, how, how does that play out just in a day-to-day, um, particularly on the strength piece? Like just how, how do you see that being strong through the lens of what we talked about just this this week? Yeah, I, I think, oof. Um, hmm. When I read this and felt, the angst and frustration and sadness that the people must have felt looking at the temple. This is a new temple and comparing it to the old temple and thinking, man, it's, it's just not what it used to be. Um, I, something just triggered in, inside of me. And I thought about 2020 and the, all the things that changed. I thought about uh, different people that I'm close with and how, um, things have changed and how we're live, all living in, in a different reality. And um, we're all living in a different reality in some, in some form or fashion. Um, this really has been a, a, a catalyst of a season. Um, and you can just look back and think, man, I wish I could just watch Christmas movies like I did in the 90s or early 2000s and and feel that warm fuzzy again. But the reality for many people is that's, you know, there's, there's too much has happened. And, and that's what these people were feeling is we're, we've lost that sense of peace and joy. Mm-hmm. And the encouragement here is that it's not, 
their strength is not defined by their circumstance. The, their strength is defined by the Lord. So Haggai is saying, be strong, be strong. Remember, remember who the Lord is. Remember what God has done for you. I think of the verse in Nehemiah, uh, same period. He's saying that the the joy of the Lord is our strength. Mm-hmm. So this is this is reminding us that our strength doesn't come from our circumstances. It doesn't come from our own personal abilities. It only uh, comes from the Lord. So returning to Him is is pivotal. Uh, spending time with Him, making Him our, our priority, and uh, building up what He says is most important. So let's do that. And uh, Taylor, I hope you have a Merry Christmas. <laughs> you too. And uh, Eve Eve's coming up, which will be exciting. And, uh, and next Sunday will be fun as we wrap this series. All right. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the Conversations podcast. If you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email us conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Thanks for being here again, everybody. It was awesome. That's it for this version of the podcast. We will see you guys next time.